Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of awesome what-ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Saving Lives in Slow Motion. Today, I'd like to talk about medical information. Now, I've got to thank Jeremy for this because um, he's someone who messaged me on Instagram about doing an episode on medical influencers but I thought that would be a bit narrow in itself but it's in the arena of medical information and how as consumers people seek source and get medical information and then take it on board and act on it. Now the first thing that pops to my mind is just how much the way we get any information has changed in the last let's say 50 years, which is my lifetime, since 1973, we're in 2023 now. And um, as you know, obviously, but um, if you think about news, so I'm not talking about medical stuff here, you, you used to have to read a newspaper or watch television to literally tune in um, or, or listen to the radio to find out what was going on in the world. And when it came to professions, they were really quite closed shops, medicine particularly, where doctors, not only do they have their own language of disease and a manner of speaking, very much like lawyers in some way, there's a sort of an etiquette, isn't there? Often a part of any profession. But also, information wasn't very easily available. If you wanted to clue yourself up on a medical condition, apart from buying a medical dictionary which would give you a very basic understanding you'd have to go to the library and look at medical textbooks and I'm the first to admit that as medics historically the profession hasn't been very good at communicating with patients it was a closed shop you know the days of doctors just acting as if they were god and doling out treatments without much explanation that's something that is in living memory and still happens, I'm sure, somewhere in some clinic, without a doubt. You know, doctor knows best. Now, as someone who uh, has lived through this, you can call me a Generation Xer if you want, the tipping point for me was the advent of the internet. And even as medical students, we suddenly had this incredible tool and the databases that we were very familiar with, Cochrane is one of them, you know, to look up studies and research, we um, suddenly found them much more accessible because there was this World Wide Web. And then we started to look at things like Medline. There'll be links to all these, by the way. But the turning point in terms of the public, patients, consumers, you know, forget medical students and doctors for a minute, 
was also at that time. And I remember something called DIPEX, which um, stands for the Database of Individual Patient Experiences. And suddenly patients had a collective voice. Um, it then also morphed into something called Health Talk. And in the consulting room, what was interesting, not just because of DIPEX, but um, just the general feeling that patients were more empowered with knowledge and information, it was pretty palpable because people started to ask more questions. And a lot of doctors historically weren't used to that. You've got to remember, I only you know, started practicing in 1999. So I'd seen in hospital several years before that, from about 1992 onwards, the old guard of doctors and how some were very good at explaining conditions and explaining treatments, others really weren't. And in the mix here was also the electronic patient record, which was pretty primitive, really until the turn of the millennium, I think. And even then it wasn't great in primary care. It's a lot better now. And couple with that, the fact that medical knowledge seems to logarithmically increase in terms of the amount of knowledge that's out there in terms of the research. So a medical degree today is way, way more all-encompassing than it was 20 years ago. And that was already much, much more than 20 years before that. So trying to keep up to date became a real thing for doctors who are essentially scientists who treat people. What I mean is they'd always kept up to date, but it was just becoming harder because the volume of information is so great. And that in turn has led to more subspecialization in specialties because you can't know everything about one thing because every time you think you know quite a lot, more new information becomes available. Now, one of the big problems is that the internet is unfiltered. And so you can search for anything medical or not, and get a load of tosh. And I do believe there was a transition period, maybe about 15 years ago, where there was definitely some healthy scepticism towards experts. And now, in 2023, there's a lot of scepticism, and you can't assume anything. Who's the expert? Who says that, you know, a professor of ophthalmology knows more about a particular condition in the eye than a random influencer who has two or three million followers and has no training in ophthalmology. And that is the world we're living in today. I'm using an extreme example, but that does happen. You get these cult-like figures who have very large followings, um, but no health background, maybe a little bit in well-being, but certainly no medical training. And it's amazing how powerful their sway is in terms of what people believe. Then there are medical influences. Now, this is really interesting. So if you think about patients and doctors being in two different camps, medical influences are really useful as an arc. And whatever the word influencer means to you, a good medical influencer in my book will hopefully communicate information as honestly as possible and with best intentions at heart. The difficulty is that there's often a lot of infighting amongst medical influencers and that's just people and personalities and the way that 
any professional discipline is. And the public still has to make up their mind about who they believe and trust. Now, interestingly, YouTube, which is still the biggest platform on the planet, is doing an exercise where they're rubber stamping people who are reliable sources for health information. So they've got a new platform called YouTube Health, which I think is a great idea. A lot of people won't think that information is reliable because they'll think it's, you know, part of the matrix or whatever. You know, there's so many views these days. This is the part of the problem. Most of us, and I've said this before, consume our own custom-built feeds. You know, 50 years ago, they were in the UK, there were three TV channels with news. All the shops were closed on the Sunday. There were three or four newspapers and you had to consume your information from that and then just take the word of the doctor or the nurse. It's a different world nowadays. You are bombarded with information um, from all sources and, and you know, in the show notes I'm going to sort of list a few sources that I think are actually reliable because the rigour and the, the evidence base and the science has been observed. And I think that is the right way. Science tries to do the right thing by looking at signals and looking at the evidence. I know it doesn't always get it right because a lot of the cynics will say, well, it's all theory. And occasionally when it comes to the individual, you can't just go on evidence basis because we are all individual at the end of the day. And you'll know from my musings on lifestyle medicine that um, sometimes you just have to go with the flow and there's no explanation but that's science as well. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So what's interesting is in the days of being um, a doctor that used to do a bit of broadcast work, and I've never done a huge amount but I did a, I did enough and I did a bit and then it was a case of kind of growing out of it what I realized is that whether it's the the news reader or the people at home or whoever's listening people really wanted to know what I thought as a doctor what my thoughts were and it didn't matter what it was you know what do you think of air pollution and particulate matter do you think it's really serious or you know um oh, would, you, would you give your child um the chicken pox vaccine and a lot of these, actually, I have to say, were, were you know backstage at events or in a studio before going on air. You know, there's other guests that that are going on the program, and they want to pick your brain. And that's understandable, you know, when you've got access to a professional, and particularly if you're a doctor in the UK, because most members of the public kind of think they're paying your salary. But now we do that online because that's what everyone does. So who do you follow? Who do you trust? Well, um, obviously the answer is me. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist that one. Well, look, I, I like putting health into context, and I think that I've got a, a pretty good overview of most things. Now, I also think that's almost certainly the case for medics that I follow on social media. Otherwise, I wouldn't follow them. And, you know, the honest answer, as someone who is a medic themselves, is it's really difficult to know what's reliable. In inverted commas, official sources do still get it wrong. Very wrong. And I, I'm not going to name names, but there are two massive agencies in the UK that have made big bloopers when it comes to health communication on their websites. And I, I've had to write to both of them in years gone by to make corrections. But no one's perfect. And ultimately, I think what we do as individuals is we align with people that we think are like us and are relatively sensible. The other real difficulty is that there is so much information out there that occasionally you can skate over something in a newspaper, and I've done this myself recently, and read it, and there'll be an error there, and no one sort of picks up on it, and it's written there as though it's true. And this world of health information and influencers and whatever you want to call them, um, health expertise, let's say, is not perfect. There are many truths and finding out the truth is nigh on impossible. You're never going to get there. And I say this to people, friends of mine, patients of mine who are quite perfectionist, some of them, and, and really want to get to the, you know, the nth level of knowledge and often end up on wild goose chases. You've got to just sort of stop when you think, actually, this sounds reasonable or lots of people seem to be saying this. 
And the most important thing is it's got to fit with the context of your life. I'm not saying ignore things you don't want to hear, but whatever it is that you're seeking in terms of health information, advice, treatments, has to work for you. Now, I want you to just think about the topics I'm going to name, because I'm going to name ones right now that are always contentious. They always have been, even pre-internet. And that makes talking about them or looking at information on them polarising and quite stressful. So in no particular order, they are breastfeeding, circumcision, vaccines, chronic fatigue syndrome, COVID. Hmm, I don't know what your thoughts are there, but it's interesting. If you look at the most searched health topics on the internet uh, via a search engine, um, none of those come up actually, and this is only one part of the world, but still. The most Googled health topics earlier this year in North America include flu, diabetes, ADHD, anxiety, concussion, heart attack, blood pressure, kidney stone, depression, there's loads. But those ones are really niche. And I think the best place to start when you're looking for medical info, and if it's not an emergency sort of setting, is understanding yourself and your own values and views. I know people who would not take a treatment because they genuinely believe that the risk of harm from that treatment is very high. So a common one I hear a lot is statins for reducing cholesterol. So many opinions on whether they're worth it or not. And, you know, when people ask me what my opinion is, I say, look, it depends. Sometimes it's definitely worth going on a statin. A lot of the time it's not. It depends on the individual. And that's the key. There's no black and white when it comes to most medical information. It takes years to get rich data. So Professor Koshik Ray, who is a professor of cardiology specialising in prevention, he finally, finally, after many years of meticulous research back in 2012-2013, released a statement about aspirin and whether it's worth taking aspirin to prevent heart disease. And for years, any doctor listening to this will remember that we used to say, yeah, it's a good idea to take an aspirin, you know, especially if you're over 50. Actually, his research shows that the, the risks outweigh the benefits. If you've not had a previous episode of some kind of cardiovascular event or cardiovascular disease then it's not worth it now some people still do it they ignore that you know and that's fine and even when you're looking at studies you have to look at which population you know is being studied and other variables but generally big big studies give you decent results and that was a meta-analysis I'll, I'll post a link to it but do the public and doctors always follow that? Possibly not. And it, this is the thing. Everyone's case is different. You know, if I've got a patient sat in front of me and they've got a slightly high cholesterol, but they tell me that four of their siblings had heart attacks in their 40s, then I'd probably go on the side of a statin because I want to do everything to reduce that person's risk of having an event. We're in the middle of another massive shift in terms of the way that we access information. And it's bigger than the internet. It's called AI, and I'm sure many of you have used it. And 
I think we're heading to a world of minority report style technology where you're matched to what you think, what you feel, what you need, what your biology is. Totally bespoke. I'm as excited as I am scared about that whole thing. So in summary, who do you go to for medical information? Well, there's no such thing anymore that is universally a trusted source, I'm afraid to say. I can give you what I think are trusted sources, but that's my opinion. But still, if I had to come down on one side of the fence, I would go with the science, the evidence. And that, yes, does mean convention. But the caveat is that we're all individual. And ultimately, you have to weigh up risks versus benefits. And that is totally different for each person. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. I'm sorry that dragged on a bit. It's a really, really tricky topic to get around. As always, I'm going to post a load of links because I think they're important and further reading on this is probably essential. I could talk for an hour on this, but you know, that's not the point of the podcast. It's about short form, thought provoking chit chat. Okay, a little bit of news. Just to say that on Instagram, I'm starting a new feature. It's called Today's Health Fix. And what you'll find are useful bite-sized 10, 15, 20, 30 second pieces of medical information that I hope you find really useful. I'm also really chuffed about the ratings that I'm getting. And thank you so much. Still five stars on Apple Podcasts and most other platforms. If you like what you hear, please give me a rating. I do appreciate it. And thank you again to Jeremy for the idea behind this episode. I do get through all the messages. I get so many now. But you know what? It's a privilege and I'm really grateful to you and to my producer, actually, Joel Grove, who is just the best and quietly gets on with putting all this out for you. Hey, I know this was a long one, but hey, I hope it was useful. Thank you again, and until next time, do stay well, look after yourself, take care. Bye for now. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.